Last week in our series on Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15, Heart to Heart with Heaven, uh, I explained that the statements in the Lord's Prayer are like lookout points on a journey. They are not the whole journey, um, and we shouldn't limit, limit ourselves to only praying these phrases, but if we ignore them, um, then it really doesn't make sense because they are the lookout points. These are the places where the view is absolutely beautiful. They are guidelines, they are way markers, they are milestones. And, and last week we set up camp on this phrase, our Father in heaven, in Matthew chapter 6 verse 9. And we learned that this word our connects us to our Christian family throughout the world and throughout time. And it connects us to our big brother Jesus who's praying along with us. And then this word father says that God is a relational God uh, who longs to have a meaningful connection with each of us in prayer. And then lastly in heaven reminds us. Uh, that God is the ruler, that he's all-powerful, and that when we pray, we are, doing, we are doing business, we're doing serious work with heaven itself. And so last week we learned that uh, our Father is, way, is with us and way beyond us. And this week we will learn that our Father is worthy. So let's look at the second half of Matthew chapter 6 verse 9. If you don't have it in your Bibles yet, please turn to it with me. Matthew chapter 6 verse 9, um, the second part, says this. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name, that's it. We could also word it like this. May your name always be kept holy. May your name be, uh, be honoured. And the message paraphrase translates it like this, reveal who you are. Reveal who you are. What a prayer, eh? God, reveal who you are. I want to know the real you, uh, not the God that I have in my mind, but you as you are. Is that your prayer this morning? God, reveal who you are. We're going to explore this phrase, hallowed be your name, by answering two questions, so you might want to write them down. The first question which we will answer is this, what is the Father's name? Well, you might think, well, it's God, silly. Well, we will see. And then the second question that we will answer is, is once we know what the Father's name is, how do we hallow it? What is the Father's name and what does it mean to hallow it? Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I get um, a call on my cell phone and the readout says unknown caller, I'm tempted not to answer it. Uh, you know, as a stutterer, phones have always absolutely terrified me. But reading unknown caller just jumps that fear up. It ramps it up. It's like opening a door in a, in a suspense movie without first looking through the peephole. You know that it will never end up good. And so you pick up the phone. This might be the end, right? And so when the phone rings and I see that there's a name attached to the phone call, I'm more likely to answer the phone and to engage in a conversation. So why is the name so important? Now, I'm not sure exactly why, but I think it might be because a name is something that we can hook an idea on. The name is a shorthand way of summing up the whole of the person. So say we're in a conversation and you say to me, I really like Wendy. 
Well, saying, you saying to me, I really like Wendy, means that you don't need to say, I really like that woman, your wife, who loves to cook, who loves to garden, who loves the outdoors, who loves her family, who has an infectious laugh, who loves exploring and yet, and yet loves home, who hates confrontation, who can sing like an angel, who passed her first year of college, age 39, with super high grades. All of this is wrapped up in this phrase, Wendy, in this name, Wendy. And using the name Wendy allows you to say all of that without saying all of that. Names are powerful, right? Names can create an emotional response in us. You know, we don't name, name our kids after someone that maybe bullied us when we were in school, right? You know, if they had that name, then, then we don't want to call our, name, our kids that name, even though that name might be a really good name. Because it has uh, an emotional link there with us. So let's play a game. I'm going to say a name, and wherever you are in your location at home, I want you to say the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay, we will be moving fast, so make sure that you're ready. Okay, here we go. Hitler. Florence Nightingale. Terry Fox. Trudeau. Marilyn Monroe, Trump, Jim Carrey. Now I wonder what words you used when, when I said those names. What was the first thing that came to your mind? And I wonder what, is the, what word comes to mind when people think of your name. Names are labels that we use to refer to the entirety of the person. Now, were you aware that God has a personal name, a name that he asks his people to call him by? And it's not God, and it's not our Father even. His name, his proper name, is actually Yahweh. And in the Bible, whenever you see the word LORD written in all caps, you can substitute that word with Yahweh, God's proper name. And this name, this proper name, this name Yahweh, means I am. So let's look at Exodus chapter 3 verse 15, where God's just appeared to Moses in a bush that is on fire and never burns up. He informs Moses that he's sending him to rescue God's people from slavery. Um, And now, of course, Moses asks the question that any of us would, would ask if we were ordered to go and represent someone in an official capacity, especially when rescuing millions of people from the foremost, foremost super, superpower of the day. And so in verse 13 of chapter 3, Moses asks this very understandable question of God. So here's the burning bush, here's Moses, he has no sandals on, this is holy ground. And in verse 13 of chapter 3, Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. 
God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, there's that word again, Lord, all caps, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. So according to these verses, God's name, God's proper name is I am, is Yahweh. And like many names, this name means something. I am tells us that God is the self-existent one, that God is the only being in the universe who exists without needing anyone else to help him exist. Like that worship song that the Norrises sang a couple of weeks ago, there, there at the start, before the beginning of time, with no point of reference, you spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of light. With no point of reference, I am Yahweh. And that word Lord in verse 15 is Yahweh, like I said. So, you know, read, read through the Bible and note where you see that word Lord written in all caps. And it's a clue that you're reading God's proper name, Yahweh, I am. John Piper tells us that, that there are several things that God's name, I am, instruct us about God or inform us about God, like he never had a beginning, like he will never end, like God is absolute reality, that God is utterly independent, that everything that is not God depends totally on God, that God is the absolute standard of truth and goodness and beauty that God is the most important and valuable reality and person in the universe. And Matthew chapter 6 verse 9 tells us that this name, that God's name, Yahweh, I am, is to be hallowed, is to be kept holy. So we've looked at this first question, what is the Father's name? Now the second question, what does it mean to hallow God's name? Or a more practical way to ask it is this, what in my life needs to change if I'm to relate to God as the one who is I am? Let me ask that again. What in my life needs to change if I am to relate to God as the one who is I am? And this question is the start of learning to hallow God's name. This is how we start treating God's name, God's character, as holy. Because it assumes that if we encounter the real God, that we will leave that encounter transformed. This word hallow means to make holy, to set apart. And so when we pray, hallowed be your name, we're not praying that God's level of holiness increases, because that's impossible, right? But we are praying, God, change my view of you. Help me to see you as you are. God, I need you to become set apart in my mind and in my heart. We get a glimpse of this setting apart uh, in Ephesians chapter 3, starting at verse 14. And as I read this, notice which members of the Trinity are mentioned. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. 
says this, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Hallowing God's name means means pleading to God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that they that that they that He would set up shop in your heart. We're praying that God puts down roots, that He has full run of the place, that He makes Himself at home. We're praying that his influence in and over and through our life increases. Now, this is starting to lead us into the next part of the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But that's for next week. So let's leave that there for now. But, but know this. As we pray for God to become set apart or holy in our lives, we become set apart or holy to him. It's like when we see a sunrise, yeah? Because the sun never actually moves. So there really isn't a sunrise. It's a misnomer. It's a falsity. Because the sun never rises. This sun, our star, never moves. The sun stays exactly where it is, blazing hot, 10 million degrees at the surface, 20 million degrees in the centre. And it's shining bright, this, this, the nature of this sun never changes, but it's the earth. It's us who change our position, our place in relation to our central star. And really, depending on where we are in relation to the sun, affects how much impact the sun has on us. God is always hallowed and always holy as he always was and always will be. That never changes. But as we pray, hallowed be your name, we are moving ourselves into his sphere of influence, deeper into his kingdom, deeper into his rule, and we're being drawn into his gravitational pull. And the closer we allow ourselves to get to him, the more we appreciate just how holy he is. So from the perspective of a heart that is far from God, God has little effect, little impact. His, his, his pull, his gravitational pull is next to nothing. And so people who are far from God wonder, what is the big deal about God? God might not look that holy or important. He barely even registers. Look, I can even block him out with my thumb. But if you allow yourself to get close to him, you will start to experience the pull and the draw and the weight of how hallowed he is, his name is, his character is. And that, my friends, is what Jesus is praying when he says, hallowed be your name. He's praying that we change our location, that we start to see God as he truly is, so that God's light and purity and glory and holiness and all that he is can start to shine on the landscape of our lives. 
Hallowed be your name means re-angling ourselves, reorientating ourselves to expose as much of the surface of our area to, to the holiness of God as we can. And it means moving into orbit around our Father. And sometimes for, some, for, for, for something to move into orbit, it requires a major collision. It, it, it requires something to, to jolt us and to shift us into that orbit. And sometimes that's not nice. It's, it's a painful moment when, when God shifts us, shifts us into orbit around himself. But friends, it's totally worth it. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness and do not live out the truth. Sorry, and yet walk in darkness. We lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Friends, our father is worthy. Sometimes to our detriment and our pain and our loss, we don't realize that. So, in summary, to grasp this phrase, hallowed be your name, we need to answer two questions. The first one is, what is the Father's name? And the answer is, his name is Yahweh. I am the self-existent one. And secondly, how do I hallow God's name? Well, I allow myself to get drawn into God's gravitational field, and I allow him to bring life and healing to this cold, empty landscape of my heart. Hallowed be your name is praying our Father is worthy. To hallow God's name, to treat God's name as holy is maybe the most important thing that we can do and the most life-changing thing that we can pray. Because it's as we pray this prayer, hallowed be your name, that we are inviting God to shine his holiness on our lives. When we pray this, we're inviting God to grant us um, an Isaiah 6 verse 5 experience where we fall to our knees face to face with his holiness and glory and we say, woe to me, I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty, when we're far away from him, his light can't shine on our lives and we're comfortable in our ignorance and our sin. But when we get close to him, he shines on us and, and, uh, and that sin that was hidden gets lit up. And at that moment, he can actually deal with it. He can work it through in our lives. He can show us, you know, how to get beyond it, how to repent of it. And we cannot pray, hallowed be your name, without asking God to expose our sin. Without expecting that God will transform our lives. We cannot pray, hallowed be your name, without it having a direct impact on the friends that we keep and the websites we visit and the books we read and the movies we watch and the words we say and the lives we live and the way that we show compassion and the way we spend our money, the way we use our free time, the way we love others. When we pray, hallowed be your name, we're asking God to be the single most important being in our lives. 
We are accepting God's invitation and challenge to live lives that revolve 100% around him. And so what breaks his heart starts to break our heart. His mission becomes our mission. His family becomes our family. His priorities become our priorities. And when this happens, we start to realise that God's holiness is starting to rub off on us. We realise that we're set apart for him. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. 1 Peter 1 verse 15. We start to care about what God has to say. We start asking God for his thoughts, his opinion on a matter. And we expect an answer from him. Praying hallowed be your name may lead to life choices that others may not understand. It may result in you rejecting worldly success in order to follow God's call on your life. It may lead you to serving God overseas on the mission field. It may result in you leaving home and family. It may lead you to living a life of obscure service that no one knows about, that's never mentioned on social media. Hallowed be your name. You see, if you're orbiting God, right? If you're orbiting God, any light that you shine is reflected light. And so your life is all about making God look great and allowing his glory, his light, his holiness to bounce off you. And into the lives of the people who haven't yet come into his orbit. And it's all worth it because your father, my father, our father is worthy. Remember that God's name or character can never become more holy. He's maxed out on holiness. The only way that Matthew 6 verse 9 makes any sense is if it means us praying, God, change me. Hallowed be your name, God, change me. Hallowed be your name, God, change me. Bring me into your sphere of influence. Allow me to orbit you. Let your holiness and presence and light bring life into the dead areas of my life. And then the gravity, and then may the gravity of your holiness uh, start to draw others into your presence so that they want what you have, so that they too may long for holiness. If I'm speaking honestly, I think that our problem is that we have too few examples of holy living. We have too few people who live their lives around the central premise of God's name being hallowed. Romans 10 verse 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who lets the self-existent one, Yahweh, bring his meaning to their existence will be saved. But if God's name is not hallowed in your life, then how can you tell others about who he is? This life that is holy, this, this life that is lived holy, one with God's name and character and gravitational pull is the life that draws others to God. 
When I was a teenager, when did I long for holiness? When I saw other teenagers living holy lives, I wanted what they had. I longed for that. And now as a married man, when do I long for holiness? When I see other men and women and families orbiting God's holiness. I want in on the action. I want to have what they have. I no longer want to live a life that's messing around with unholiness and sin, that's fooling around. Because I know that life is only found in God's orbit, where God's name is hallowed, when I'm sucked into God's gravitational pull. Friends, through your lifestyle, through your words, are you drawing people to God or are you telling them that they're okay out there in the cold, lonely corners of God's universe far from him? Let me leave you with one of the most incredible images of what a life looks like when it's brought into the gravitational pull of God's exalted holiness. I was meditating on this passage throughout this, this, this past week and some of the phrases in this scripture just, just, just ruined me, just wiped me out, rem- reminding me that Jesus is life. Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 6. Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father our Father in heaven Hallowed be your name.